Hey, I'm going to start off this morning because we've been away for two weeks, so I figured you guys need to hear some good news. But we're going to start. We've got two birthdays this week. <laughs> Kaylin's, Kaylin's birthday's today. Come on up. Hey, and Andy, see, what you guys don't know about Andy is she wants everyone to know when her birthday is. Everyone. So much so that she tried to take it off Facebook this week before I saw it and was reminded. But I saw it before it was taken off. So Andy loves um, awkwardness, so we're going to sing to her this morning, to her and Caitlin. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. both 21 today. Um, so I want to tell you a couple other good news. They're not here today, but we've had a couple of, I, I'm going to call it like a miracle slash praise that have happened over the last two weeks. We haven't been able to be together, so we don't get to share that stuff. Um, so many of you guys know Paige and Chris Keys. So Chris has two children that he didn't have custody of for quite a while. Um, over the past maybe two months, they were able to get emergency custody of those two children due to some things that were going on that were very tragic, but God works good in all things, right? Yes. So a couple, about a month ago, I had to step in because Ryan was out, um, and I had to step in in youth and be the group leader, and I asked the guys in my little group what I could pray for them, what their insecurity was. And if any of you know Daniel, how's Daniel, like 11, 12 years old? His 10, his biggest insecurity is that he has a hearing problem. Um, he's, he's not quite deaf, but he's, he needs hearing aids. And they've just diagnosed this. He's never been taken to the doctor, but they realize he couldn't hear. They took him to the doctor. He failed the hearing test, and they're going to have to take him back to see about getting hearing, aid, hearing aids. So we prayed over him that night. We prayed, that was a Thursday night. We prayed over him the next Sunday. They went to the doctor, and guess whose hearing is 100% now? 100%. Thank you, Jesus. Second piece of that puzzle is his Daniel's older daughter, Brooks. What's she, 13, 14? Older sister, Chris's daughter, Daniel's older sister. Sorry. It's been a long week, guys. How old is she, like 13, 14? At a very young age, she's on extreme amounts of high blood pressure medicine. So imagine, 13, 14-year-old on adult-level dosage of, of, of uh what did I just say? Hot, thank you. High blood pressure. I'm telling you guys, it's been a long week. This may be like this all day. Um, through this process of just speaking life into her, praying, getting her into a healthy home, she this week was able to come off completely off her meds. It was this week or last week. She's completely off the meds. She says she feels better than she's ever felt. So I don't know if it's a miracle praise or both. But I just want to... Satan's attacking our congregation like crazy, Right? Anybody not affected this past couple of weeks? And I just felt like we need to start out by thanking God for the good things that are happening yeah. instead of focusing on the bad things. Um, now I'm going to switch to a bad thing. So we're supposed to have a revival in like another week, right? July 23rd is maybe two weeks away. We've indefinitely postponed that. We're working with two other churches, as you know, and um, unfortunately they've had some issues too. Satan has equally attacked our churches. And so um, he doesn't want this revival to happen. It's going to happen. But we're just going to postpone it maybe until August or September, so we'll keep you guys posted. 
Uh, this would normally be our week for women's group, but they're going to kind of take a break for the rest of the summer. Things are chaotic in the summer anyway, so that'll kick back up in uh, September, and we'll keep you posted on that. So that's our brief announcements this morning. I'm going to pray us in, and we'll get to worship. So, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be back in front of you. Father, I thank you that this morning we're going to worship you. We're going to worship our lungs out to you. And I know there are states right now where that's, quote, illegal to do it. So, Father, I pray for them and for those churches because they've got difficult decisions to make, and I know it's tough on their pastors, their congregations. So, Father, I just lift up every pastor in the, in the United States to you right now who's going through just a tough time of trying to make decisions for their congregations. It's just a tough place to be. You're danged if you do, you're danged if you don't. So I lift all of them up to you, specifically the ones in states that they've tried to put on lockdown of no singing, no church again. Father, we just lift up those congregations, those pastors to you, and ask you to bless them. And Father, I thank you that here in this state, we can have the choice to come here freely and worship you. So Father, please accept our worship this morning and know this is all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the Lord laid something on my heart, and I'm going to stand back here because I don't really like being looked at because it's not about me. So that song, if that song doesn't fire you up, something is going on in your heart because that song is talking about blessing my daughter and her daughters and her sons and their sons and so on and on and on and on. It's talking about generations and we're talking about lifting Jesus and praising him through the storms and the things that he's brought us through. And the last month of my life has been extremely difficult, extremely challenging. I went to the beach three weeks ago and I was in the middle of the ocean on a boat with my dad and a few other of my family members. And I was in the middle of the ocean. I couldn't see land. I couldn't see anything. And it reminded me of Peter and how he stepped out of the boat and he walked to Jesus. And Jesus was the only thing. But this moment that he took his eyes off Jesus, that's when everything, the storm started raging. And so it reminded me to keep my eyes on Jesus. It also reminded me of another thing is Jesus' love is vast, and it is wide, and it is big. And when you think of the ocean, you can't grasp his love, but his love is as big as the ocean. And so the Lord showed me through that, and I came back home a couple of weeks after that, and my dad, who was a completely healthy man, he was completely healthy. He was joyful. He told me that at any point he was ready to go be with the Lord. And it was like he was a renewed man and someone I hadn't known for like 10 years. It was like he had just came out of nowhere and he was so joyful and so excited. And so if you don't know the backstory of that is my dad was supposed to have surgery right after he got back from the beach. And he wanted to go to the beach. That was his last thing was he wanted to go to the beach with his family. And as soon as he got back from the beach, he was supposed to have surgery. So he was so joyful. I saw a joyful out of him. I saw Jesus in him. I saw a craving for God and a touch of heaven through my dad. 
and we get back from the beach, and my dad has surgery, and a week later, my dad can't speak. He can't feed himself. He can't do anything, and my dad is in the hospital right now, and he is fighting for his life. He is fighting for Jesus. He is fighting for us, and he is still, when I see him, he's still praising God, and my mom, who's never really known the Lord, is singing Bible verses over my dad because she's asking for a miracle and a touch of heaven to heal my dad. And we are in a congregation on a Sunday morning, and we should be fired up for Jesus. We are the Christians that should be rising up. My mom, who doesn't even go to church, is going in every day in a hospital and praying and singing Bible verses over my dad, and we should be rejoicing for people like my dad who needs a miracle because I love my dad and he has so much joy and we need to be rejoicing, praising God because at the end of the day, even though my dad's fighting for his life right now, I'm still praising God because I know he has a plan and he can heal my dad if he wants to and if he doesn't, that's his will but God is a good father so this morning, we should be thanking him and praising him and when we hear that song, Blessings, over generations and generations, we should be fired up and praising Jesus because generations and generations is so on and on and on and on and on. And God's love is so big. It's so wide and it's so vast. And my dad is such a good dad. He taught me that. And I have a good earthly father who taught me about Jesus' love. So this morning, can we please sing that song again? Can we please have a touch of heaven in this church? Because we are going to have a revival soon. And there's going to be people walking in this church that don't know Jesus. And I want them to know the on fire Jesus. The one who wants to praise God. Peyton, can you just can you keep playing guitar a little bit? We're going to go ahead and we're going to take communion. Anybody not get communion this morning? I got it. Stormy So we know that when we take communion, we're celebrating two things. More than two things, but the bread representing Jesus' body that was broken for us. And scripture says when his body was broken, when he took on the stripes, that's when our healing. That's when we get our healing, the stripes that he took on. His broken body. The second piece is the juice which represents his blood. His blood that was shed for us because he does love us so much. Because God loves us so much he wants us to be reunited. But today when we take communion, this is an act of spiritual warfare against Satan. Against his minions. Against the people that are trying to destroy our world that are controlled by him. We're taking communion today for me and his dad fighting for his life. We're taking communion today for Wiki's mother that just got a diagnosis of cancer that's alive from Satan and she's going to defeat that. We're taking this communion for those in our church that are still quarantined because they got some stupid test back. We're taking communion for those that have any sickness in their body. We're taking communion today for any emotional or spiritual brokenness that God wants to heal today. Just let him heal it today as we take it. There's so much packed into this little package. We call
Jesus won the big battle. He won the war. And until I die, I will fight against Satan and his enemy, or in the, the rest of the enemy, his angels. And I will do my best to lead you guys. Today, I'm asking for strength for all of us that have been worn down this week. I left an important one out. We're praying for Wendy's healing today. surgery that was tougher than it was supposed to be. But we know prayer works. Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock her blood pressure was 88 over 40. That's not good. Three hours later we walk out of that hospital to come home because of your prayers, because of God's healing power. And that's why we're taking communion today. Satan, we're sick of what you're doing and we take a stand against it in Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us, for making your body just brutally beat. And we take this bread today in honor of you, Jesus. Jesus, your body that was broken for us, we celebrate that today. And we thank you. And we take this juice. every broken thing in us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And we just ask for restoration in everyone's bodies today, in their minds, their souls, their spirits, as we drink this juice representing your blood, Jesus. How about a hand for our youth band that just rocked it? So there's good news today for the rest of the service. I have to keep it short because I have an alarm set on my watch of when I have to leave here <laughs> to go home. <laughs> um, we have somebody staying with Wendy this morning, but there's a time limit. Um, so it's going to be a short message today, but I'm going to just start out. And, and by the way, I left out another one in there. We're praying for Casey's healing. Casey's having some pancreatitis issues. Um, so we're going to keep the children in here today because Wendy and Casey, who normally take care of our children, are not here. Again, another reason to keep it short. But I want to ask you guys a question. Why did you come today? Why did you get up, get out of your bed, and come to church today? Why did you risk coming to church today? What do you hope to gain or get by being here today? This can be a question you can answer or it can be rhetorical. I asked a rhetorical question on Facebook yesterday and I got like 17 answers, so I may need to teach people what rhetorical means. It means you don't have to answer. <laughs> so why are you here? 
I'm going to give you the simple answer that I think it is. Today, I think we're here because we need to be encouraged by each other. The world's chaos. Our town's chaos. There's nothing but hypocrisy, double-mindedness, fear, rampant. But what do we leave at the gate when we pull in here? All that. Or maybe you don't leave it until you get down in here, but what do you get to leave here? All that chaos, all that craziness. Hopefully you don't encounter the hypocrisy and the double-mindedness here. We're working hard against not doing that. And all week, God has just stirred in my head. We're here to worship Him. We're here to give our all for Him. But part of what He uses each of us for is to encourage and lift up and strengthen each other. And we need it now more than ever. So there's been a verse that stirred in my head all week. And we've said this verse before. Many of you have heard it before. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I want you to hear that again. Let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another. You know, this verse, how many of you guys heard that verse before? I mean, that's, that's a verse that's been used in church forever, but unfortunately, it's been used for generations to make people feel guilty for not going to church. You ever heard someone say, I don't really have to go to church to be a Christian. I got hurt at church. Uh, I, I'm probably going to get hurt again by the people at church. And I've got God in my heart, kind of like Mandy was talking about earlier. I've got God in my heart. He's in my home. I can sit at home, and I can worship, and I can read Scripture, and I'll be fine. And then someone comes back at them with this verse. But Paul said, let's not neglect our meeting together. So the unfortunate thing is this verse has been used as a little bit of a religious tool to guilt people who think they don't need to go to church to go to church. But I think Paul had a different idea when he came up with this verse. I want you to think about what time they were living in. You think we're living in a tough time now? Is anybody threatened to kill you for your faith in Christ over the last week? Got a couple of no's, right? These people were living every day not knowing if they would be persecuted for believing in Jesus. Every day. So I think when Paul said, don't neglect your meeting, don't neglect meeting together, it wasn't so much about a religious thing of you've got to be in church to believe in God or to believe in Jesus or do it the right way. I think he was saying, guys, we need each other right now. We're hurting. We're scared. If we're out here on an island by ourselves, we're not going to survive. But if we come together, we can do good things for each other. We can motivate each other. We can do good works, but we can encourage one another, especially now. Especially now when we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I think we can extrapolate that whole thing and put it on today. Just a little bit different circumstances, right? I think Paul was saying they needed each other. And I think if Paul was standing here today, he would say the same thing. We need each other, right? Let's take, make sure, he's basically saying, let's make sure we take care of each other. Let's get together so we can encourage each other. Times are rough. I know times are rough. But we need to be together.
to encourage each other. So what does Satan do? If they need to be together, I'm going to cause all these governors to come together to shut it down. And we've seen that for months. It got lifted a little bit, but now the mass fear and hysteria is back on this week. It didn't really hit Blount County that hard the first go-around. What's happening now? Do you think Satan was just going to let up? You know, we've had some tough decisions to face today. Do we stay open, reopen after two weeks of being closed? Do we stay closed? And I just kept hearing the Lord say, you will be open because these people that come today, and I didn't know if five people would show up. I honestly thought it might be me in the praise band. <laughs> but this just shows me that God was telling me, and I was hearing him clearly, we need each other. We need the encouragement. So I'm going to give you two more verses that stood out to me this week, and then I'm going to share some testimonies with you really quick. Romans 15.5, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So may the God who gives, so God gives endurance and encouragement. Another translation says, may the God who gives patience and encouragement. So the word patient, how many people in here think they're not patient? Right? Patience actually means endurance. You gain patience by enduring through things. Maybe that's your spouse. <laughs> Maybe it's your kids screaming. <laughs> but you gain patience by enduring. So whether we use the word patience or, endur or, or endurance, he says, so God gives us. God gives us the endurance and patience. God gives us the encouragement, and that's what he expects us to give to everyone else. God gives me encouragement, and I'm supposed to give it to you. God gives each of you encouragement, and you're supposed to give it to who? Everyone else. God gives me patience. God gives me endurance. I think we're enduring right now. And it's my job to encourage you to endure and to have patience. He expects us to give the same things to each other that he's giving to us. See, I think a lot of times we get really good at saying, God, give me patience right now. Give me encouragement. God, send someone to encourage me. But what are we doing to encourage each other? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Paul says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. So think about it. Paul went into an environment, or he wrote a letter to a church, and he said, you're already doing it. You're already building each other up. You're already taking care of each other. Keep doing it. And that's the message to you guys this morning. You guys are taking care of each other. I'm watching it happen. Paul says, take care of each other. Meet together so you can encourage each other. Endure, be patient, encourage those around you just like God encourages you. And then he says again, we need to encourage and build each other up just as you're already doing. Keep on doing what you're doing. And I want to tell you guys something I want to really encourage each of you with. During these last two weeks or four and a half months, I don't care how we look at it, things have been nuts. And we've needed each other like never before. If you were to say to me, Jason, what's the biggest thing you've taken out of the last four and a half months is to see this family grow together. And not all of them can be here this morning because they're being respectful that they're not out of their quarantine period yet. But we have become a family tighter than I've ever seen. And I want to specifically thank you guys for your encouragement this week. I don't know if Wendy wants me to share this or not, but I am. 
Wednesday, she had surgery. Things didn't go as planned. They hoped to do it laparoscopically, robotically, whatever you want to say. And they punctured the very thing they were going to get out. And she started bleeding. And so they had to do what was the equivalent of emergency C-section to get out the parts. And I know this is graphic, and I'm sorry. But when that happened, she lost a ton of blood. She lost 1,100 cc's of blood, which is the equivalent of like two and a third pints. We got doctor people in here. They can correct me if I'm wrong. It's a lot of blood. They had to give her blood. Like I said, so she had surgery on Wednesday. They kept her Wednesday night. Thursday, they're telling us she'll be in at least for another night or two. They come in and take her blood pressure. It's 88 over 40, and they thought the machine was broken because she looked better than that, but her blood pressure doesn't look good. So they scramble, and they come in, and they take it again, and it's the same. They take it like four or five times. It's the same, and they call the doctor. By the time the doctor showed up, many of you were praying, and that's what I want to thank you for today. Many of you were praying through the whole thing. But specifically the people that reached out during that time, I didn't have time to reach out to everybody. I just asked you to pray harder. And within a few hours, by the time our doctor shows up, our doctor says everything is miraculously better and we're going to send her home if you want to go home. Your prayers, I can't tell you how many texts and phone calls, text mostly because of the environment we're in, but how many times you encouraged us and Wendy by just text, how's she doing? We're praying for you. Meals. I'm going to have to go buy a freezer to keep up with all the meals you guys are bringing. Thank you, Jesus, because I don't cook. <laughs> Thank you to those that have already brought food. You know, the first person that showed up showed up with three days' worth of food. And at first, I was like, maybe I need to tell the person coming tomorrow no food. But I was like, no, I'm just going to go buy a freezer, and we'll have food for like four weeks. And I thank God for answering our prayers, obviously, but I thank you guys for what he used you for to encourage us. See, you guys did what Paul said to do. You encouraged us, and I'm just giving you a snippet. I know people are encouraging Mandy and Wiki and, and Casey and others, and we've got to keep doing that, guys. You guys have lived out these verses. You've done good works. You've encouraged. You've prayed. I think another way that we can encourage, because I think sometimes we get caught up that this word encourage means to tell somebody something good about them. And that's encouragement. Hey, I love how you prayed. I love how you sang. You did such a great job. That's encouragement, right? But sometimes just seeing each other's faces is encouragement. Being here. I need to see that y'all are okay. I'm texting all of you, talking on the phone. You tell me you're okay. I tested positive, but I'm okay. I'm not sick. Man, I need to see your face. I want to make sure that you're not just sugarcoating it, right? Sometimes that's encouragement alone. I just need to see you. We need to see each other. We need to see we're okay. We need to cry together. We need to laugh together. We need to worship together. So last Sunday, if you watched the sermon, I talked about Jesus, keeping your eyes on Jesus when you get out of the boat. And then I asked you, I challenged for testimonies. What is God showing you now? What has God shown you over the last four months? What is your boat that you're having a hard time getting out of? What's keeping you from getting out of the boat? It was kind of an open-ended thing. Share with me what God is putting or is doing with you. So today I'm going to share some of those testimonies because I think when we share these testimonies and we see what others are going through and we see how others are handling it, that is encouragement. I was encouraged reading them, and I want to share them with you guys because many of you don't get to hear 
what people are thinking. So I got a few I'm going to roll through, and I'm going to I'm going to try not to disclose who it is. However, one of them's already spoken this morning and given away part of the first one's her testimony. So we have someone in here who had a close family member diagnosed with cancer. During surgery, shortly after surgery, whatever resulted in a stroke. This person said, I've had moments of sadness and moments of anger and frustration. And that's real, guys. We're not trying to sugarcoat that this is all fun and games. We know life is tough. So I want to thank this person for being honest. I've had moments of sadness and moments of anger and frustration. But what I noticed is that in the past, I would have felt isolated and stayed stuck, but I did not do that this time. I've been resting in the verse, be still and know that I am God. There have been a lot of moments of chaos and a lot of moments where I could start to doubt. Again, thank you for the honesty. A lot of moments of chaos, a lot of moments where I could start to doubt, but after I get bad news, I stop and pray, and I keep hearing God tell me to be still and to know that he is God. I've tried really hard to rest in the arms of the Father during all of this, and I truly believe the last few weeks has grown my faith even stronger than before. I'm going to paraphrase this. I've seen family members dig into Scripture like they haven't before. I've personally watched God take a terrible situation and use it for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, to me, that's living out the Scripture of God will do good in all things for those that believe, right? So I want to thank you for that testimony. Second testimony, these are not in any specific order, from someone who tested positive for COVID in the last couple of weeks. I haven't been ashamed or upset or angry. You never know the full reasoning of why things happen, but I'm sure that some good has come. I was reading in Job and reminded that we're not only supposed to thank God and praise God when things are going good. We have to continue to thank God through the bad times. Yes, I tested positive, but there was no real sickness, no ventilator, no separation from my family. I have a lot to be thankful for, and I will continue to be thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for that testimony. Thank you, Jesus, that it wasn't that bad. And, and we've talked about it before, guys, the encouragement to be thankful in everything. If you can be thankful when the bad things are happening and not just the good things, now you're defeating Satan. That's showing that we trust that God's control is in control. I'm going to read you Wendy's. She gave me. She didn't know she gave it to me. She was just in the hospital half looped up, and I wrote it down. She said, I think about the most faithful servants in the Bible that serve God. Every one of them dealt with fear and many other emotions that we're dealing with. But they persevered. Even Jesus felt forsaken by his father on the cross. You guys remember that? God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus felt that. Jesus wept when he was in the garden before that. She said, I was angry. We've worked so hard to teach people how to fight spiritual warfare when so many churches didn't or haven't. And I was angry because now it had attacked us. But God kept telling me to speak against it and keep teaching people to fight spiritual warfare. He kept telling her this is the time to dig in and fight harder than we've ever fought. You know, when she said that, 
this is, I told you guys, I've struggled with pride through this whole thing, and this, this statement may either be from God or from pride. I'm not really sure, but I was thinking, you know, the enemy doesn't really have to attack a church that's not fighting. If they've just folded up and gone with the flow of everything, the enemy doesn't have to do anything. They've already done it for him. So we should expect that Satan will come attack because he's scared of us, guys. He is deathly scared of us. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. Another person who tested positive for COVID. I love this because this is brutal honesty and it's thoughts that went through my head too. I couldn't help but have a few thoughts at first about why. After we had prayed for protection and tied our red ribbons on everything, even my locker at work, I know God is at work and maybe we just needed some downtime as a church and as individuals. I encourage all of you to spend time seeking God's heart during this time. We will be well prepared for revival whenever it happens. Thank you, Jesus. It's okay to question. I think sometimes we're taught it's not okay to question. It's okay to question. That's when your face built, right? That's when you allow God to speak to you and answer a different question. Why, God? We may never know why, but that's okay. Allow this time to be the time you dig into him harder, as this person suggested, and let it strengthen your faith. Okay, this one, I may have to get the person who said it to explain it a little bit. This comes from one of our leaders. He's wearing an orange shirt in the back. He said, I've been shown during quarantine that Jesus and Paul flipped tables when appropriate and also loved when appropriate. So go ahead and explain that a little more, Ryan. Maybe this is a time some people in California need to walk into their governor's office and flip some daggum tables. Right? And maybe some places around here, too. So I love it, man. I'm all for it. Sometimes you got to flip tables, but sometimes you got to love. you got to ask God to show you when. You guys go to work this week and flip some tables. It's not my fault. It's Ryan's fault. <laughs> I support you. I got this testimony from someone who doesn't come here physically but watches online. This person's spouse has just gotten a diagnosis over the last couple of weeks that their cancer has returned. That's the diagnosis, cancer has returned. They're rebuking that as a lie in the name of Jesus. But this family watched through praise and worship last week, watched through the sermon, and he said, Father God is reminding me that this battle has already been won. So they're not looking, they're taking their eyes off the storm, which is the diagnosis of cancer, and saying, God is reminding me this battle's already been won. That's keeping your eyes on Jesus. That he is still a way maker, he is still a miracle worker, he is still a promise keeper, and he is always the light in the darkness. How awesome we sang that song this morning when that was in a testimony. He says, my strength is being renewed and restored through constant praise and worship. They got a diagnosis, and they have gone to praise and worship as much as they can. 
He said, during the message, the Holy Spirit reminded him of a book he once read. It said, if you're going to walk on the water, you got to get out of the boat. He says, Father, thank you for helping, guiding, and instructing each of us to step out of the boat in faith and assurance. Guys, we've said it many times before. Do not underestimate the power of praise and worship. Do not. Satan can't stand it. He hates it. He's going to flee if you're praising and worshiping, even if you don't feel it. What did that song say we sang earlier? Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't know it, you're working. He's working. We know that. But you go praise and worship, Satan can't stand it. From another person, during this time, God has really been growing my faith. He is showing me how to listen to his voice and trust what he says. Growing is painful, but if we are constantly comfortable in life, then we won't produce fruit. I heard a statement one time that I try to live by. It says, if you're comfortable, you're not growing. And I think this person just said that in a different way. So many of us want to be comfortable. Oh, that's not comfortable. I don't want to do that. If you're comfortable, you're not growing. That's plain and simple. So again, it says growing is painful, but if we are constantly comfortable in life, it's fruit. I've had to step more than I ever have lately. And even though sometimes I let doubt and fear creep in, so there's honesty there. Doubt and fear is creeping in. Oh, that's my alarm going off. I got to talk fast. I gave, I gave myself a five-minute cushion. <laughs> what was that? Even though I sometimes let doubt and fear creep in, I always go back to the fact that God is bigger than it all, and Satan is a liar. I want to hear an amen after that. Satan is a liar. There is so much chaos around us that we have that we have to keep focused on moving forward with Jesus or we will get caught up in the mess. All I can say to that is yes. Amen. From another person whose spouse tested positive for COVID. This was actually sent to me while this person was awaiting their test results. They later came back negative, but this was sent kind of during the storm. This person said, the Lord has been laying Psalms 46.1 and, and verse 46.10 on my heart during all this COVID stuff. 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. What an awesome verse to lean on when you don't know what the test is going to come back when you're in a time, when you're in a storm. Verse 46.10, we've already heard it this morning from somebody else's testimony. Be still and know that I am God. From someone else, God has been showing me two things this week. Both come from a book I've, I've been reading called Uninvited. The first thing is in Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And we've taught on that many, many times. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. When we are battling someone or when we get into an argument or when we don't see eye to eye, we're not battling that person. It's against the demons or the evil that's within them or controlling them. This person went on to say, I'm having troubles with one of my close, I'll just say one of my parents, and we're not on the same page. I have to remember that my fight is not with my parent. It's with the demon that's controlling my parent. It helps me to realize I have to set a boundary with my parent and speak out against that demon. It has to leave in the name of Jesus. The second thing that God is showing me and reminding me is that I need to have grace with others. This goes hand in hand with the first thing. I have to have grace when they mess up and even with myself. It's hard to learn to have grace with someone and to be patient when we're angry. Having grace is not the first thing that we often think of. Amen. There are two ways to think about grace. One, having it for someone or yourself, and two, giving it away. We have to have it first 
and then we give it away. That's what Paul's talking about. Part of encouragement, part of lifting each other up, part of doing good is showing grace when those around us fail. We're not asking everybody to be perfect in fighting spiritual warfare. We're just asking you to fight. I got two more quick. From another person, they said they saw this on Facebook and it spoke to them. It says, when David faced Goliath, he did not talk about how dangerous Goliath was. He talked about how great his God is. When David faced Goliath, he did not talk about how dangerous Goliath, dangerous Goliath, dangerous Goliath was. He talked about how great God is. So don't talk fear, talk faith. My final one comes from, I don't know, six, seven-year-old, not exactly how old she is. She said a verse has been close to her heart, Isaiah 117. It says, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Doesn't that sound like encouraging people that are down? Doesn't that sound like helping people that can't help themselves? And that's from a little child. So if you want to tell me God isn't speaking to you right now, I'm going to tell you you ain't asking because a little child answered that question. Sorry if that came across harsh, but I'm trying to encourage you. And I want to tell you something, guys. Your money goes to help the oppressed. That Isaiah 117 verse stands for a ministry that's coming to Blount County that's building a house to help kids coming out of foster care. Many of you guys are in foster care or foster parents. Your money has gone to help those kids, the oppressed, the orphans. And during this time of COVID, God has identified a widow that your money is going to help. We don't talk about that a lot because Scripture says don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. But this morning, God told me to tell you, you bought her groceries, you fixed her car with money and with skill, someone in the church having the skill to go do the labor, church, you guys buying the part. You kept her electricity on. Why? She is a widow who has diabetes. She's at high risk. She couldn't get out. Her daughter lives with her. Her husband's recently died. Her daughter lives with her but lost her job immediately when COVID started. And you know how many weeks it took her to get unemployment? Until about two weeks ago. So you as a church have been helping someone you don't even know that's a widow. You've been living out this verse. So too many times, again, I think we think a word of encouragement means to tell someone they're doing a good job, but it's so much more than that. We should be encouraged by how each of us is responding to these tragedies. It's not just COVID. There's other sicknesses. There's hospitalizations. There's strokes. There's cancer diagnoses. And you guys are being there for each other. So I want to tell you, thank you for being there for us, and thank you for being there for each other. And I just want to encourage you this morning. I'm going to end with a quote from one of my mentors. He said, it's time to be the church. Show love that casts out fear. Be salt that has flavor. Be a light that attracts and illuminates the truth over the darkness. Be a city on a hill that is a place of refuge for those that are hurting. So this week, I want to encourage each of you, make sure you're continuing to encourage the people around you. You never know when that text or that phone call is all they needed to know they were loved and thought about and cared for. I've been challenged with all the people that reached out to us. I've been challenged with, am I doing a good enough job reaching out to people? We reach out to the people we know are hurting, but am I doing a good enough job reaching out to the people that I think are fine? So I want to encourage you guys. It's not just about our church family, but everybody we come in contact with. It's our job to be salt, to be a light, 
to be a place of refuge to show them love. So, Father, we thank you for words of encouragement. I thank you for every testimony. Your word says Satan is defeated by two things, the blood of Jesus Christ and the words of our testimonies. Our testimonies are examples of how Satan attacks and he's defeated by people being faithful to you, God. So I thank you for every testimony that was given here. Father, I'm just praying that your scripture and your testimonies given by these people are encouragement today. That When people leave here, they will feel refreshed. They will feel ready to go out into the world to offer what you want them to do. It's our job to offer taste, to offer salt, to offer flavoring. We should be flavorful. We should be a light in all the darkness around us. We should be a place that people are attracted to. So, Father, I pray that this morning, through worship, through communion, through prayer, through testimonies, that these people will leave here supernaturally encouraged to go out into a dark, dark world and be what you need them to be. Father, thank you for the answer prayers, the healings, the healings you're going to do that we can't see yet the faith that you're building right now through tough times and help us to continue to encourage each other. In Jesus' name, amen.